added time is supported by Fitbit. Get real-time insights on you and your world with the Fitbit Versa 2, the all-new premium smartwatch with Amazon Alexa built in, your personalised sleep score and a 5-plus day battery life. And now the serious stuff. It's a serious week and we have a serious man in. John O'Sullivan is here in the Out of Time podcast. Good morning. Uh, Pat Nugent is still on a boat uh, somewhere uh, in the... He's, he's heading down towards the Azores, I think, at this stage. He's having a much better morning than we are anyway, put it that way. Uh, big week, John. We have uh, the Irish soccer team are in a qualifier tomorrow night against Switzerland. We're going to have Emmett Malone on later to talk about that. And it's an All-Ireland all quarterfinal week. It is the World Cup quarterfinal week. And this is it. Yeah, it's almost as big as an All-Ireland uh, final week. Um, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it is. It's it's where Ireland wanted to be. It's it's the, their stated destination prior to the start of the, the tournament. And, and now it's up to them to see if they can take it one stage further or more. Or more. And we have New Zealand on Saturday, Sunday, Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, indeed. Uh, so let's go over to Japan. We have... Uh, Gavin Komiski, who has texted me a photograph from the 50th floor of a swanky hotel in Tokyo. Uh, how are you, Gav? First floor, Mal. Um, First floor. Yeah, it's pretty, it's it's pretty spectacular. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I popped in here today to work in the afternoon um, because it's a, it's a lovely cafe and it overlooks the whole city. And it's turned into like a seven-star evening place now. And I'm in a dirty jeans and a T-shirt. So Gav, we don't, Gav, care. We Gav, don't care here. Gav, all I said was, "How are you?" I don't want your life story. We also have we also have Jerry Thornley, uh, who is in Fukuoka Airport. How are you, Jerry? I'm very good, thanks, Bob. Very good, thanks indeed. Now, see, Gav, there you go. That's very very simple. There you are, uh, lads. Uh, what do we talk about first? Um, let actually indulge me here and let's talk about Japan. Uh, Gav, you were there yesterday. What like? That looked to me like one of the great occasions to be at. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just feel really fortunate. I've been to three games now. I didn't even go to the opening ceremony match of, of Japan, but I've been to three of their matches. And Shizuoka, as just Irish people, we struggled to really kind of embrace the magic of what it was because we were kind of so we were shell-shocked almost by the fact that they won the game in such fashion. Um, the Samoa game, I'd ever thought I'd actually see something better at this tournament. And then last night was just stunning. It was just a brilliant occasion to be at. The crowd stayed for ages afterwards. And 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 by the way, people, the Japanese are getting credit for not being a kind of rugby people and all that. They understood the value of like the scrum penalties that were happening in the game. You could get it like the, it's mm. it's there's a there's a rugby kind of a. They're, they're literally in the game now, you know, they understand like the nuts and bolts stuff. You could hear it in the stadium, you know what I mean? Uh, it was fantastic. It was a great night. Jerry, I, tell me this. Um, I was asking John this a little bit earlier. How um, how did nobody see Japan coming? Yeah, good question, because their their results actually were quite good. Um, apart from then the final warm-up game and they were well beaten by South Africa, mm. um, 45-7 or whatever it was, just well beaten. And uh, yeah, I don't think anybody quite saw this coming. I'm not sure the Japanese saw it themselves, their media or whatever saw this coming. They have been a breath of fresh air in the tournament and their brand of rugby, their ability to last 80 minutes, the intensity they play with, the pace, the tempo they play with, the ambition, uh, the fearlessness. It's, uh, it's uh, quite extraordinary to watch and that's right. I mean, I don't know. I've been to a couple of their matches, but I've been to I've been to World Cups like the last couple, um, certainly the last one four years ago when 
I swear to God, you'd almost think there's more sense of work about being on in a vast country like Japan. Maybe it's, you know, it's only one person snapshot and it's hard to tell. But like, in that first couple of weeks in Chicago, in Chiba, in Tokyo, you wouldn't have necessarily known of the World Cup on. Like, everywhere you went in Fukuoka last night, there were bars. <laughs> bars um, with cover charges, I might add. Absolutely grim. <laughs> Every single one of them. They copped on quick. Now they, it's a World Cup. They, now realize they, bought, <laughs> they bought into this World Cup, trust me. <laughs> and um, that was right as well. They don't, they don't seem to be the most knowledgeable um, uh, rugby crowd in the world, but that gives them an enormous sense of excitability and their, their belong to the event and now, keeping the pubs in, there's a hushed quietness for conversions going on to the post. Oh, God. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> <you credit laughs> the home and park. And then there's, then there's an eruption of tears for the conversions going between the boats. But it's just, it's, it's fantastic watching. I tell you what, there's a lot of people at men are just watching rugby versus the second or third time in their lives. They, it, it, you have to say it's been a boon for the tournament. No doubt about it. Japan have been the best thing that happened in the group stages. Jerry, do you think that, that the fact that they didn't play many Tier 1 teams over the last couple of years, they did play a few all right, but the Tier 1 teams didn't get a proper look at Japan and they were able to go about their way and prepare for the tournament and, and basically they did very well, obviously, in the Pacific Nations Cup and stuff like that. But, but apart from that warm-up game when they lost heavily to the Springboks and I think they might have played Italy last November, you know, they didn't play too many matches against Tier 1 countries. And added to that, John, on top of that, um, most of their frontliners hardly played for the Sun Wolves in 2019 or 2018. Uh, Jamie Josephs and Tony Brown have kept their their frontliners under wraps. It's been a very different way of preparing for a World Cup from almost any other team here. And it seems to have worked. Like, their fitness levels are extraordinary. Like I said earlier, the intensity they can play with over sustain over 80 minutes against Ireland and now again against Scotland was quite extraordinary. And they're a threat against South Africa. It's, yeah, it's been an unusual preparation, but uh, it seems to have worked. Like, they look incredibly well drilled in everything they do. Their recycling game, the way they steam onto the ball and pump their legs as soon as they get into contact, like the clear out. Um, I think they benefit a little bit from favourable refereeing, got to say, but the, I suppose when you're at home, that's generally what happens, and they are the host. So, and the schedule is suited them as well, but then again, they are the host. So I guess well, that's they've been working on their set piece, you know that. Mm. Uh, Jerry, Jamie Joseph said it last night. Yeah. He goes, he go, he was asked, "What? How? How you've done this? It seems almost impossible for people who haven't been following you closely." And Jamie Joseph, their coach, turned around and said, "What we have to do is hang on in against the best teams in set piece because South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, everyone comes after us to break us at lineouts, to break us at scrums." So they, they, he gave credit to their their mall coach and everything. He goes, "All we have to do is hang on in." And then we're going to show you what we can do. And you're only really seeing it now because we're only learning how to hang on in in the, in the last couple of weeks. Well, we said at the we said at the outset uh, a couple of years ago when the draw was made that the, this was the easiest group, and it turned out we were right. It's just that it was for Japan who it was the easiest group for. <laughs> um, Jerry, we may as well move on to Ireland. What did you make of Saturday? Um, yeah, pretty encouraging. All, all told, I mm. thought it was good. Um, thought there was a good bit of uh, myself and John communicating and we both agreed that there was a uh, good shape to Ireland's attack and plenty of whip on it and, and a bit more ambition too and I thought good tempo those pack were back to their awesome best they made good strong starts in all four games up in one encouraging sign at least the strong starts 14 up in 14 minutes the set piece worked to treat the mall work they really imposed it. they were helped ironically the game would be forever associated with Bundyaki's red card but really it was Samoan ill discipline that dominated the match, 17 penalties to five. It just gave Ireland constant access to their 22. And then when they went down to 
14 men after Aki's was sent off. I just thought they, they tailored the game plan and to perfection. They're probably as, as well equipped as any team in the world to play with 14 men. And apparently it's, it's something they do quite a bit in training. And uh, they just spent acres of time down in Simone 22 and sucked the lifeblood out. And once they won the last 15 minutes by 26 nil. So I think all it's good, good to see Conor Murray playing so well. Good to see the pack back to their best. Good to see uh, Johnny Sexton back to his best. Um, just, he's just class. And then the real interesting performance is Jordan Larmer. I mean, he just added a huge dimension to Ireland's attacking game. And what I loved about his game wasn't just that he beat 11 defenders, and he carried 17 times and made more metres than any other player in the pitch by a distance. But I thought his traditional players, tackling his kicking was really good. It's a real option. I don't think Joe will go with uh, um, Jordan Larmer full back. I think he'll go with Rob Carney. But I think Larmer might well be looked to in the last 20 or 30 minutes. Gav, does it matter how Ireland got to this point in the tournament in terms of their performances or just the fact that they're, they've got a, a cup final against New Zealand on Saturday and, and this is, you know, they were either going to play New Zealand or South Africa. So this is one of the two options that they had prior to the start of the tournament and would have taken. Yeah, that's a handy school of thought to take this week on. Look, they're there. They found a little bit of form. Um, most, of the, most of the best players have been on form and have shown up at the tournament, especially the young lads. But... You do have to worry, even in the Samoa game, there was a period for 20 minutes, which was against a Samoan team that were flagging badly, where there was this handling error, handling, four handling errors in a row. And when that happened in, in, in the Japan game, when they dipped, they were, they were ripped up. If you do that on Saturday against New Zealand, the game will be over. Because four handling errors against New Zealand will be two scores. It'll be at least 14 <coughs> points. So there is still lots of evidence that uh, Ireland are not anywhere near the form, which at the moment is the high watermark for Joe Schmidt's time, which is November 2018. There hasn't been any evidence that they're, they're back anywhere near that form yet. And so it is, it is going to have to be one of those shot-in-the-dark great Irish performances that just comes from little evidence shown that it's going to come. But I believe, you know, but it's happened so many times before, so there's no reason why it can't come, you know. I'm going to ask you both, um, we can pretty much guess what team Joe Schmidt, well, well, to a point, we can guess what team Joe Schmidt's going to pick. But what team would you pick? And I, I suppose specifically the back three, uh, the centre partnership and the back row. Um, Jerry, if you want to start, just those three positions, what you would pick based on what you've seen in the tournament? What? Um, or those areas, sorry. It's an interesting team. one because Andrew Conway's on far, mm-hmm. but I think Keith Earls has looked sharp and Jacob Stockdale has looked sharp. Look, part of me wouldn't mind seeing Jordan Lammer start. I just think that, you know, when if you want to win a match against somebody like the All Blacks, you probably, the All Blacks have shown with Bowden Barrett, haven't they? You get your best attacking player at fullback. Why? Because it's the most unmarked position of the pitch. And I think there'd be a lot to be said for playing Lammer at fullback because he would give Ireland's attacking game so much, but it kind of doesn't really matter what I think. I think for sure that Joe, Joe Schmidt will go for Rob Carney. And, you know, you look back at all the great days of Ireland's time there and Rob Carney in Chicago, the 20 matches and the four Six Nations titles. Rob Carney started them all, you know. He's he's uh, the great survivor and he's playing out of his skin at the moment. looks super sharp. So it wouldn't upset me greatly if Carney starts and Lama came off the bench last 20, 30. Ireland had that option. Midfield picks itself, I'm afraid, if Bundyaki gets suspended tonight, um, as, it, as it always does. I mean, it's extraordinary. I think only twice since Bundyaki um, became manager of Ireland has, he been, has Joe Smith been able to pick from Aki, Ringrose and Henshaw. Once was the second test when he was in Australia when he was rotating. The last time was when um, he put Henshaw full back. So he, it's, 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 a, it's a riddle that he's never had to resolve. It's quite extraordinary because one of them has always been injured invariably, or in this case, suspended. Okay. Um, back row... That was really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled to why Reese Rodick was not more in the mix. I would have thought 
could do with him. I, w- I really like the way Reese Rodick has been playing, but I understand that partly to do with the lineup with no Devin Toner there, that enhances Peter Armani's value in the set piece. So I'm pretty sure it will be uh, CJ Standers playing great rugby at eight, um, and probably. Yeah, Pete at seven. I would imagine the, the way he goes. Um, oh, no, sorry, Pete at six and Josh Van der Freer at seven. I would be imagine the way he would go. And I think you need Josh Van der Freer in there. So, yeah, I think the team picks itself, John. Okay, Gav, how about you? Would you make uh, your... You rule the world, basically, so you get to choose the team. I'd do one change. Just in, in the back three, same as Carney, Earls, uh, uh, Stockdale, because it, it, this game is going to be one if... Oh, can, Ireland can only win this game if they make no mistakes. That means if Ardy Sabia, Bowden are shut down, Carney is your man for not making any mistakes. Uh, centres are Ringrose and Henshaw every day of the week. And the back row, it just... O'Mahony came on for 15 minutes there and finally looked like the guy we saw, we've seen so many times over the years for Munster in Ireland. He, um, I, he, he won a great turnover. So I just go with O'Mahony at seven. Van der Flyer is just the ultimate athlete to come off the bench for 30 minutes. He's not a physical specimen. So he isn't... He hasn't been able to dominate in the big, huge games against New Zealand's and South Africa's for 60, 70 minutes. But with Ruddock, who's in form, just play Ruddock at six and bring in Tygburn and Van der Flyer when, when it's really needed. And they can change. They're, they're both two players who can change up a game. Um, it's never been done before. Well, actually, sorry. It was been done once before with Van der Flyer when Ireland beat the All Blacks, I'm pretty sure. Or was it the game they lost in 2016 where he came on for the last 20, 30 minutes and he was sensational? So it's something that they have in their back pocket that they haven't done. No, no, not last year. I'm talking about 2016. Van der Flyer came on. Oh, yeah. Just, sorry. He, yeah. just he can, when the game's broken up a bit, if Van der Flyer comes off the bench and just does what he does, um, he can have more impact on all, the All Blacks than that, that, that what I think he'll have. I think he'll get, um, I think he'll make 20 tackles. I think he'll, he'll carry the ball. He'll pin the breakdown. But I just don't think we'll see him. We just, I just don't think we'll see him in this game like we didn't see him in the second half against Japan. You guys would have no, no concerns about Robbie Henshaw's lack of game time. You wouldn't look at Chris Farrell and kind of say he's done very well when he's played. No way. <laughs> that's that's the answer to my question. I think Robbie, <laughs> no, don't think so. Robbie, Rob, Robbie was rusty, mm-hmm. no doubt about it, but he'll be better for that game. Sure. Um, you think back to the World Cup uh, four years ago, John, he missed the first two matches with a hammer problem, that, that tournament as well. Came in, wasn't great against Italy in, in Game 3, but was outstanding in Game 4 against France. They won. And they know each other and they understand each other so well. And, I mean, Robbie Henshaw's still a class player. No, I'd be happy enough with Robbie Henshaw, I must say. Okay. 12. I was happy yeah, to, happy to even see him have... Yeah, it's grand to see Henshaw having a bit of a, you know, making mistakes and getting a, just getting it all sorted out there the other night. But, you know, he actually played two positions, essentially, for the, for the, the last 15 minutes before he was taken off when Bundy was sent off. And... He, he'll also feel he threw the pass that led to Bundy put, Aki putting in the big shot that got him the red card. So uh, I think he's going to come out with one of those those Henshaw performances we saw in the semi final two years ago. I think he's going to come out and just like he was the key. He was one of the key figures when Ireland beat New Zealand in Chicago, and he's a better player now. I know he gets injured a lot, but he just looked the part the other night, and now he's got that under his belt. I think we're going to see. I think we have to see one of the most monumental Henshaw performances. Jerry, it's, it's an interesting contrast with this time uh, four years ago. Uh, we were at the same stage of the tournament, but the squad is definitely in better shape, isn't it? Like compared to the injuries that that, that were the case that were so blighted it four years ago. Yeah, completely, not really. Like Bundy will be a loss if he's suspended mm. an option, definitely. And uh, the back row's taken a few hits both in the last year or so and in this tournament, you think. 
Sean O'Brien, Dan Levy and Jack Cohn could all be here as well. But that apart, like they're, they, they certainly arrive at quarterfinal with probably 36 players to choose from. Mm. Whereas four years ago, uh, that brutally physical French uh, match and that, that brutally physical French team, the carnage was extraordinary. I mean, I genuinely think that Johnny Sexton, Sean O'Brien, as he's playing then, Peter Armani, Paul O'Connell, like they're four of Ireland's greatest players, mm. all taken out in a week's notice, along with Jared Payne still on the sidelines. Like, if you took Ma Nanu, Dan Carter, um, I don't know, Jerome Kano, Richie McCall, and Brody Vitalik out of the same All Black team four years ago, they might have struggled to win that tournament too, even the mighty All Blacks. I think that was, uh, was pretty cruel. Though, by comparison, um, they haven't probably been quite as good in the pool stages. They haven't got to quarterfinals with four wins out of four, as they've done for the last two tournaments. But hey, better to lose a pool match and win a quarterfinal, wouldn't it be? But it'd be nice to break that cycle. So I think, yeah, they at least arrived much healthier. What do you think, Gav? We'll talk more about this on Thursday, but this early in the week, um, how, how, how are you feeling about it? Um, I'm pretty confident. I, I, I didn't. Um, I, I lost a lot of faith in the team to perform after the Japan game, and I think I expressed that. And I remember just talking to Joey Carberry and a couple of them in the mix zone after the game the other night, and Andrew Porter, and they were so... Um, uh, they, they really do feel like that this was they, they controlled that defeat and they could they didn't handle it the way the hysterical reaction was maybe at home and and I was flicking I was talking to Gordon Darcy today and I was reading the draft for his column which is coming on Wednesday and he had his doubts as well but when he when someone like an ex-international who's played against the All Blacks br- breaks down uh, bit by bit how Ireland win a game and like it's well worth reading on Wednesday because of how he does it he explains how the team can beat them and it's possible, you know what I mean? It's going to require their best ever showing under Schmidt and Andy Farrell's coaching. But as you've already mentioned, as long as CJ Standard's okay after that awesome performance the other night, they have all, they have all the players that they want to have on the pitch, more or less. Um, so it, it just, that 15 minutes, that 10 minutes when the All Blacks shredded the Springboks, if that can be stopped, if they don't let that happen, or if they only concede seven points in that period of time, they're going to be still in the game. And if the rain comes and Sexton stays in the, and Sexton's on the pitch for 70 minutes, anything's possible. Is that what we've gone back to now, where we're looking for bad weather uh, and, uh, and a <laughs> yeah, kind of dodgy start yeah. from our opponents? Are, are we yeah, good enough? Yeah. I mean, to, to, beat, to beat New Zealand, yes, we need all those things to happen. Because but, it's New Zealand, like they're awesome. Well, it wasn't like that in Chicago. I, I just think, is, is that where it is now for Irish rugby, that you need the other team to under, underperform by, oh, sorry, need the All Blacks, not the other team, the, other, the All Blacks to underperform by 20% for Ireland to have a chance this Saturday? Or are Ireland good enough? Do they have the players? Jerry, do you no, think... Uh, Ireland are good enough, definitely. And I think almost any team in the tournament would need the All Blacks to slide the off for any other team in the tournament to beat the All Blacks. Cause it, and that's been the way it's been for the last two World Cups as well because they've been the number one side in the world for a decade. They're, that's who they are. That's what they are. So I think everybody needs them to be a little bit off in the day to have a chance of beating them. And whoever's playing them, as Ireland have shown twice in the last three meetings, has to be on top of their game to have a chance of beating them. And uh, I think Ireland know that like, like the, the four meetings with Joe Schmidt it's been two wins apiece, and I think Ireland has scored 87 to it. The All Blacks 82 points in those four matches. These two wins haven't been flukes. They've been four really tough games. They've, Ireland have gone toe-to-toe with the All Blacks the last four meetings. Now, I know three of them were in Dublin, and this is a World Cup quarter final, blah, blah, blah. But I do think that uh, they got right. They've got a lot of the personnel they want there. They're going to have seven of the pack that beat the All Blacks 
a year ago, less than a year ago in Dublin, same halfback. So it's pretty much the team that they would want, is right. Um, and the other thing as well, it's really ironic because Ireland are a lousy record in the knockout stages of mm. World Cups. They've lost sure. six quarterfinals and a quarterfinal playoff. That's seven cup ties, and they've lost them. And this is just so unharsh because what Ireland do is great one-off cup wins. The, the provinces have shown it consistently. Ireland themselves have done it so often. And it could well be just primed for a big one-off cup performance. They've got the pack of the halves of the coaching staff to produce one really big uh, knockout game in the quarterfinal stage. Um, I think I certainly give them a kind of a 30-40% chance. That's strong a chance, which is a hell of a chance to take into an All Blacks game. And I think... Uh, yeah, if things go right on the day, they, they, it, it could be done, no doubt about it. it this can I can I just say, Mal? The um, I was at Steve Hansen this morning, mm. and uh, he had started the mind game stuff again. Going, I'm Schmidt probably works too hard on his tactic stuff, and I might be able, to, I might have his number, was what he said, and it was gas. And as he was saying it, I remember being out in Blanchardstown back in November, the week they landed here, mm. and he start he started, he was playing the whole silly messing with, like saying, I bet you they're going to throw Murray back in, and. And Hansen's normally great at this, but it backfired last year. And you know that Ireland are going to say nothing. They're not going to put their head above the parapet at all. And all of this is kind of like small, slight motivation. Um, the All Blacks haven't played a major test match for one month. They haven't played any rugby for mm. two weeks. They say they're happy with it. But I think Ireland are happy with getting that some own performance. That they wanted to get Brody Retallick on the pitch, and they haven't got him on the pitch. We don't know what, how fit the best second round in the world is. Well, we know where everyone is in the Ireland team. So I'm not, I'm not predicting a victory, but I'm saying that there's definitely a chance now. Save that until Thursday, bit. Gav. Save that until Thursday. We get it. We get that podcast up and out. Uh, Jerry, just a, one last one. Like, I, uh, it struck me um, this morning, and, and you know. You know when something is always there and yet then sometimes you kind of remember it with a jolt. This could very well be the last week of Joe Smith's Ireland career. You know, and of course, every week that they're still in the tournament will be possibly the last week of his Ireland career. How will that feed into this week or will it at all? doesn't feed in at all. This is bigger than that, you know. Um, they're in match mode. It's a massive game. The All Blacks, the World Cup quarter final. If that doesn't cut them straight to mind on one thing and one game only, nothing mm. will. So I don't think uh, any outside noise will have much impact. I don't think the um, the glass ceiling or the weight of history will have that much of an impact. It's a game on the day, and they got the preparation really good for the Simone game, and they'll be working really hard all week to get the preparation right for this game. So I think they're all they're kind of side issues now. Um, it, of course, this team has been defined a huge amount by Joe Schmidt, and understandably so. The last decade with Leinster and Ireland has just been off the charts. We, I couldn't even begin to start listening to the trophies and titles that mm. and Ireland have won in that time under his watch. So I know you've written that you think his legacy is secure. I think um, certainly a win over the All Blacks, his <laughs> legacy will be well secure. Um, um, an, 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 a close to close uh, thrilling game, quarterfinal, would probably leave his legacy well intact. It wouldn't leave it too much damage. But I think this actually game is just bigger than Joe Schmidt, actually. Mm. It's just it's much about the definitely, players, Jerry. the history but, of Irish rugby. But the kids as well, even like Larmer and Carberry and all that, and like they, they must be, they are driven, demented by like his exactitudes and his strictness and the discipline he brings in. But they also know, even at their young age, that they're, they're being coached by probably the best coach that ever come across in their lives. They know that they'll probably go another 10 years in this game and not come across someone who's 
who's, who's going to be as good, who's going to have as much of an influence on their lives. So I'd say that does slip into the brains. Not, I wouldn't say they're talking about it, but I'd say lads are going, okay, this is the last time I'm going to be coached by this guy. So on Thursday when they're on the field, they know, know this. And do you know what else could be even bigger, Gavin? Even bigger. Johnny Saxman. It's the first time he started a World Cup quarterfinal. Amazingly, 34 years of age, World Cup of the Year. The first time he started the World Cup quarterfinal. Rory Best, um, a lot of the other older, older hands in the squad, they know this is their last shot at this. And it's, you know, to go where they've never gone before. And I think that will be a big factor as well in the, in the, way the team leaders drive it all. Um, the experienced lads as well as the, the James Ryans and everything. The more you think about it, they're, they are primed for a pretty big performance. Well, lads, I, uh, I will not. Uh, I will not be here on Thursday. So John will be guiding you through the uh, the bumper uh, World Cup quarterfinal preview, uh, and by then you'll have loads more information to impart and more wisdom earned. So uh, listen, the bandwagon. Thank you very much, the Perrier, and yeah. uh, I'll talk to you again. Added time is supported by Fitbit with Amazon Alexa built in, your personalized sleep score, and a five plus day battery life. Fitbit Versa Two takes smartwatches to the next level. Our other international team was playing over the weekend, John. Uh, it, it, not quite uh, as exciting as uh, as <laughs> some of the other stuff we saw, but it was uh, it was a point nonetheless earned away in Tbilisi, where uh, Emmett Malone was and is no more. I believe you're in Geneva now, Emmett. That's right. That's right. Yes, right. hiding in my room, hiding, hiding from room. from the expensiveness of of the city in my room. Yes, <laughs> they can't get you in there. <laughs> they can't get me in there. Although I'm sure I'm going to when I check out, there'll be a city tax of two hundred euro a night. Yeah, that they haven't told me about because they just they just take it in their stride over here. Yeah. Uh, h- how much fun did you have in in uh, Tbilisi? More fun than I could describe <laughs> to. <laughs> Maliki. more um, fun than, than there are words for actually to, well obviously uh, sorry uh, I mean Tbilisi is a terrific place yeah. uh, I'd say uh, it has a lot of repeat business amongst the Irish fans uh, there was uh, I think eight or 900 uh, uh, fans there and um, and I'd say quite a few of them have been before uh, I've never heard a bad review of Tbilisi it's a cracking place it's a little tricky to get to a little expensive if you leave it late to book which I did once and uh, and regret um, but um, yeah it's a, it's oh, I tell you what I, I had uh, I had a couple of friends who uh, uh, we're in Gibraltar and uh, all our flights were delayed and we got a few quid out of uh, British Airways for that and they were they said they would you put it towards another trip and I talked them into Tbilisi over Geneva and um, and I think they were well satisfied with that it's a it's a terrific city but uh, obviously then you know yeah you, you might, might have, have to talk about the 90, unpleasantness 90 minutes of draft yeah <laughs> That's the downside, yeah. <laughs> three, three days of cheap kebabs and beer, and uh, ninety minutes of um, horrible football. Um, it was a, it was a sort of a classic of the genre, really, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, mm. I guess. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a bunch of a couple of English journalists with us here, and. Uh, and um, they were they were kind of taken aback by how outraged we were, you know, uh, and we were we were accusing them of you know a post-colonial attitude. I think would be the polite way of putting it, um, uh, so suggesting that we had the right to expect better. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty awful stuff. Um, just just I, look, I mean, you never. <clears throat> I don't think as an Irish person, maybe as a, as a British journalist covering Ireland, I don't think as an Irish person you uh, you ever get used to it. You you, uh, you look at some of these guys. I mean, I was just, I was only thinking of Harahan last week on Match of the Day, watching yes. them in, playing for Aston Villa. And he was outstanding, mm. you know, really, really terrific mm. against players who are considerably better than pretty much anyone uh, Georgia can put out in the field. And, uh, and, and you see him then 
and, and I think he was trying. And I saw him a few times trying to urge others to defend higher up the field and press. And, you know, when Ireland, you know, was just before half time when Ireland had slipped deep back into their own half and just seemed to be like, it was like they were playing, you know, I don't know, Brazil or Germany or something like that. Um, uh, but he was really, really poor. And, uh, and you wonder how, you know, um, virtually every one of the 11 players or 10 player, field players, when, when the ball comes to them, they, they, it doesn't stick to them in any way. It was bouncing off them. And I know the surface wasn't great. And you could certainly see that with Aaron Colley's chance late on where he just couldn't quite get it under control. But that's that's one thing. That's going full pelt, trying to stay clear, stay clear of a couple of defenders and, you know, trying to line up a shot. But I'm talking about really bog standard average passes. And, um, mm. and it didn't seem able to either make them or control them, or, you know, the, the regularity at which they gave away the ball was absolutely staggering. And the Georgians were doing it. And the Georgians looked, I mean, if you arrived, you know, uh, at the stadium completely ignorant of the situation, you would have absolutely assumed the Georgians were a better team, other than, obviously, in, in the finishing department where they were. But it were cack. Thanks for the Emma, was your frustration uh, compounded by the, the the late flurry, we'll call them, of half chances and Mick McCarthy's selection and a quick look at Connolly and what he might have been able to do? Had he been given a little bit more time? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I certainly a little bit more time. I, I, I think the twelve minutes ago was um, was 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 too little time. I do accept his his argument. I, like we will never know. These are these are all nobles in football. The lad is nineteen years old. He's done very well for the under twenty ones. He's done very well in in you know a couple of games for for Brighton. Obviously the standout one against Spurs where he scores two twice. I mean, there's 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 definitely a case to be made for his um, for his inclusion from the start in, in that game and and maybe in this in the Swiss game as well. Um, but there's also, you know, McCarthy says, and and, and he has as a point. He's, God knows he's been through the ringer with all of this. That you know, you 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 know, it's 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 easy to be a fan um, and pick the team, and it's easy to be a fan afterwards and 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 pick over the team selection. Um, we we don't know whether 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 Connolly would have you know handled the ninety minutes as well. We don't know whether you know there's there's a big difference coming in fresh with ten minutes to go and and the defenders are tired and and sprinting away from them or get making a bit of space for yourself and being there from the start. And it was a very physical game. Um, the Georgians made it absolutely clear from uh, from the very outset. Uh, I mean, in the very the, the very opening seconds. Um, uh, I think it was uh, who was it? It, it was J- Jabba uh, Kankava had a mm. right go at, uh, at Jeff Hendrick and uh, and seemed to be seemed to be put out a message, you know. But the, but the fact is that it, it seemed to work. I mean, there's you know it's remarkable that that the Georgians could kind of lay down a line that they're going to be you know more physical than us, and, and we seem to cower slightly in the face of all of that. But but anyway, look in in, in relation to Connolly, yeah, look, I, I I definitely think he could have had more time on the pitch. He uh, he did very well when he came on. Um, it's you know it certainly his arrival certainly coincided with a general change in the shape of the game, although it was also the last ten minutes and. I think as I make the point, I think in the match report today, I mean, the, the Danes were here last month and uh, drew nil all. McCarthy repeatedly cites that game as evidence, you know, that we're not the only ones and the good teams um, um, come here and drop, or went to uh, Tbilisi and drop points. And um, and even like, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't put it this way, but better teams than us go to Tbilisi mm. and, and, and drop points but the bottom line is they dominated the game they had 60% of the possession they had 6 out of 7 I think or 7 out of 8 um, shots on target in the game they just couldn't put their chances away and then in the last 10 minutes like if you're the manager of a, <clears throat> a home team playing back their side you know you keep it tight keep it tight keep it tight and then go for it a bit at the end you know and that's what you expect in these games 
on Saturday, it was the reverse. We were supposed to be the better team. We're 70 places higher in the world rankings than Georgia. And we looked like we were hanging on. We were depending on their poor finishing. And then in the last 10 minutes, we had our chances. Uh, we changed things, became a bit more attacking. And, um, and McCarthy kind of, you know, explained the way afterwards on the basis that it was, uh, that it was uh, you know, a good point to get. You know, there was no shame in, in getting a point. But if we had got a win there, you know, two draws would do us now. Two draws and we would be going to the European Championships mm. for sure. And, uh, and the, the impact of, of uh, not winning a Georgia where a draw apparently is a good result is that we now have to beat either Denmark or Switzerland. And they, either of those things, McCarthy now takes that. He says, oh, I, I did been happy that when he gave it to me back in, back in December. But the bottom line is now he has to do something against a much better team that he couldn't do against a pretty run-of-the-mill one on Saturday. So, you know, I, 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 you know, look, I completely, I have a lot of time for Mick McCarthy. He's a good guy. I appreciate some, a lot of it. He's playing the game. He's not a man to slaughter his own players or whatever. But Saturday was a seriously bad day at the office for everyone concerned. Because this is the thing, Emmett. I, I even, in the aftermath on Saturday evening, I kind of found the Connolly thing a, a wee bit of a... Red herring is the wrong phrase, but but it yeah. all it it almost distracted from the fact that, as you say, you look through the Ireland team that was playing yeah. there, and you have six, seven, eight guys who are playing for Premier League teams. You yeah, know, the, you know, like it, it's, uh, that 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 would be my view, <clears> right? I mean, there's there's a bit of such a hot Connolly hysteria going on, mm. and look, you know, I've 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 hopped aboard that bandwagon a little bit, mm. you know, with 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 the rest of the lads. Uh, he's a very exciting young player. I'd love to see him get get his chance because on the f- strength of it, uh, right now. He's one of those kids who, you know, as as Mark Lawrence used to always say, doesn't play with any fear. You mm. know, he just looks like he'd, he'd grab every opportunity thrown at him. And and so, you know, I'd like to see him thrown an opportunity. But, I mean, it's a big, big, big game tomorrow night against the Swiss um, who are a much better side. And I don't know how he fared with that. Mm. And if he, and if he dis- disappears without a trace, well, then, look, you know, I hope everyone cuts McCarthy a bit of slack and remembers that it's what we were all calling for. Um, but on, on, the, on the pitch the other day for 80 minutes, um, as you say, the work like man for man, you know, football is an international business. It's a very open market. I mean, if they had better players, they'd be playing in the Premier mm. League. You know, uh, our guys are playing very big clubs, earning very big money. We know, like Matt Doherty, we get very excited about. I was one of the players who wanted him played at left back. He did not do very oh. well. Um, uh, Haran and uh, Jeff Hendrick in midfield were really poor. James McLean was appalling, mm. you know. Um, and, and, and I mean, James McLean, you know, you take all the sort of, like, he, he tends to lose possession a lot. He's a bit, you know, there's a touch of, like, he's so, you know, he's 110%. Mm. And, and you, take the, you take the bad with the good. But unfortunately, there was very little good the other day. You know, he, he played us into real trouble a couple of times. And, um, and he does it, you know, you can never doubt that he's, that, that he's trying and he tried to his best to, to, to make up, the, you know, atone a, a for the damage. But he was, he was very poor. Um, you know, normally really solid, you know, very reliable players like Seamus Coleman didn't do very much. Like certainly weren't able to mm. kind of, you know, make the sort of impact required to, to make a, a significant improvement on the thing. Callum Robinson, who I loved a bit, like, you know, in his first few games for Ireland, he was terrific. Every time he got the ball, he'd make a real positive impact. A couple of really good, one stunning cross in the first half that mm. um, if McLean had been uh, a little bit more alert to the situation, probably would have scored off. Another great ball um, about 10 minutes after that, uh, which nothing came off, but it was really kind of, it was really nice diagonal ball through three, three defenders. 
Um, but my God, like he doesn't bring much to the party on the defensive side of things. And, uh, and you know, we were, we were subjected to a, a bit of pressure down that left-hand side where he should have been first line of defense, uh, against Switzerland last month. Um, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez gave him a terrible time and, uh, was a real thorn in our side. And, uh, and, and I think that's going to be a, a factor as McCarthy selects his uh, team for, for tomorrow. So, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure Robinson play. I'm not a hundred percent sure. That that he play out there, he might play. There's talk maybe of uh, of Connolly playing up front, and 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 he suggested that he kind of have somebody play with him there or just behind him. And Robinson might fill that that bill quite well, you know, and, and probably take a little bit of the pressure off him defensively. Um, but anyway, look, you know, collectively across the board, it's really poor performance. And we, you know, the Irish fans are used to this. You know, this this mm. just seems to constantly happen. Against we scrape. We scrape wins against, uh, you know, significantly what should be significantly inferior sides on paper. Um, In this instance, McCarthy was talking in advance of them dominating possession and us having to hang in there. Like that was sort of the tone of it. And and I need somebody to explain that to me. I'm I'm following this team for 25 years and uh, I had professionally, I mean, and um, and I don't understand how that that is the case. How we go to somewhere like Tbilisi, which we've been to several times, and we used to scrape, you know. Scrape wins we barely deserved out there, and now, now we don't seem to do that anymore. But I don't really understand how uh, how the expectation is. I, I, I appreciate the old cliche that there's no there's no easy games in international football, mm. but you know there are ones that you know really should be winnable. What uh, Emma? What way do you expect them to set up tomorrow? And do you think it'll be a little bit of the Alamo for trying to hang in there, hang in there, hang in there, and nick something to use a cliche? And I see the Swiss have said that they need to toughen up physically for the arrival of Ireland. So they, they anticipate yeah, a certain... Yeah, there's always a bit of that right. with us. Like, I mean, you look, I mean, the Georgians, I think, out-toughed us, you know? So uh, I think if they watch that game back, they'll be pleasantly surprised, the Swiss, that is. Um, I mean, Saturday was very disappointing on that front. As I say, there was that, there was that early kind of challenge on, on Hendrick that seems to set the tone. And certainly, I don't think, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, the, the Georgians picked up some, uh, some some soft free kicks as the game went on. But by and large, um, uh, I think they, uh, they, they, they had more than held their own physically. Uh, I think the Swiss are, will be well able for us in that department. I think they've shown that before. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to set up. I mean, McCarthy's uh, default uh, formation is 4-3-3. I think that that was... A bit of an issue for him the the other night. Um, there were, you know, the Robinson thing being one example. McLean on the other side had a poor game, but I mean, I just can't see how he how he's going to drop McLean. He, he loves him um, as every Irish manager seems to for his dedication and you know effort and all that. You know, um, but but I mean, the bottom line is he doesn't have you know hugely attractive options from from the bench. So what do you do? He's had a very settled side and he believes in his players, and that's a big part of his management style. So. I don't know. Look, I, you know, I think there's a couple of options. He could stick with that. He could go. I obviously, I think, you know, in 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 Tbilisi, it was very visibly four three three. Here, the same formation could essentially be four five one, and I think that's certainly mm. um, a, a very likely scenario. Uh, the other option is that he could go four four one one, and that's that's possible. He seemed to hint about that that in his kind of post match stuff the other night when he was talking to the Daily Papers, and uh, but it was in very much in the context of Oscar asking him about Connolly, Connolly's chances of playing. He sort of slipped into. <clears throat> talking about the fact that talking as if Connie would play, we're not entirely sure. Like sometimes with these things, 
I mean, we're not entirely sure whether the, the, the manager is doing this because you've, he's sort of forgotten himself slightly and starts thinking, you know, talking in terms of the way he's really thinking or whether he's just answering the question that he's, has been put to you. But he did certainly start talking about Conley starting and how he might tweak things to give him a bit of support, give him somebody to run alongside him, to not leave him isolated. And uh, and if he does that, you know, we I think somebody said somebody up front beside him. He said maybe somebody behind that would suggest four four one one. That would make a fair bit of sense, I think, and uh, and it might mean that Robinson goes in there. And and and, and Robinson's a really nice player on the ball. Um, as to <clears throat> holding, keeping it tight, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of that. I think he won't want to go behind. I think it will be quite defensive for for um, a long stretch. Um, but at the same time, the way this, the permutations of this group. I've worked out are really strange, like for, with two games to go for us. Uh, if we win this game, we're true. We're, we qualify. If we win or if we win in Den- against Denmark in, um, in November, uh, then we're also true. One of those games, one win from these two games. It's, it's kind of a remarkable thing. We've drawn uh, our games against the top side so far. We've only taken 14 points from uh, Georgia. The only team we've beaten home and away are Gibraltar. And yet we're in a situation where one win against one of our chief rivals will pull us through, which is kind of a remarkable situation to be in. If we draw against the Swiss, um, the only real downside to that, or you, you know, I will, and then you can argue this either way, is that Denmark will qualify and um, and they'll come to Dublin with nothing to play for. Mm. So so you and if and if we lose, the Swiss are very much back in it. Uh, the Danes will have something to play for in Dublin, but it's a three-way mix. We will have to beat the Danes to to go through. So I mean, it's it's not quite a free hit, but you know the downside of us losing the game is not terribly spectacular. Um, and so you would think there's a kind of you know a freedom there to 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 go for it. Uh, as regards the Danes, we draw the match, which obviously is our kind of default result in these situations, and mm-hmm. uh, normally where we're playing our normal game. Um, okay, they come to Dublin with nothing to play for, and that's 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 pretty attractive. I mean, you go back to Italy in the in the Euros, you know. I mean, I, I remember having to argue this out with with with, with uh, Martin O'Neill when he picked me up on it, going on about kind of let, you know them playing a few players who wouldn't have played normally, and they're them wanting to prove themselves. Mm. And you can you can argue all that, but for me, there's a big big difference between a team having to win and a team not having to win. And I'd certainly take uh, Denmark coming to Dublin with nothing to play for. So. There's a lot of interesting permutations. Mick McCarthy, on, on the other hand, on, on Saturday was saying, and, and, and there's an element of truth in this, about the Georgians, that they're already, because of the Nations League, they're virtually guaranteed a playoff spot, I think, in the, in the, uh, in the Nations League in March. So they, they're, they're seriously looking at going to the European Championships, which is a remarkable thing in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, good or bad, whatever way you see that, that, that structure now. Um, but they were playing that game the other day with absolutely nothing to play for other than, you know, improving themselves and uh, you know essentially most of this campaign has been about um semi-finals and a final in nations league playoffs in march and mccarthy saw that as 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 you know a negative for ireland that they were playing with a freedom that uh, that allowed them to play in a way that they wouldn't have done if they were under pressure needing to fight, finish in the top two in the group as his as his uh, team had you know were in that situation so i mean that's kind of remarkable so he, he perhaps he would see that there'd be an element of that about the danes in, in dublin if they don't mm. to win but but for me look you know, it's it's a strange situation. We need to win a game. We will have absolutely no complaints about being in these European Championships if we can't beat one of these teams home or away. Uh, just to finish off, the the Swiss like they're they're in 
they're not in great order themselves. No, and, and no, they're not. Like the other night was a desperate, a, a, a pattern yeah. repeating itself for them in this campaign. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, I mean, the Swiss, you know, they they ended up they were fourth in the world or something like that, mm. the world rankings. And, and you know, I'm you know, I'm not a, not a great believer in the rankings, but they've tweaked them a fair bit over the last few years. And there's, there's you know, I mean, the the teams at the top are you know significantly better than the teams at the bottom is generally the way it works and, and everywhere in between you know is there's a pattern to it and, you don't get uh, to be fourth if you're actually 50th yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. you know you have to you have to win some serious games you have to beat some decent opponents now, the only time I saw them at the World Cup last year was against Sweden in I think it was a quarter final and um and they were really poor. Like you know, they had no ideas at all. Like when they when they, when they struggled to score against Sweden and the Swedes were sort of like they'd had a group good group. So it was a second round game, I think. And um, uh, they they had a good group stage, but were already sort of you know a bit running out of legs. And uh, they were an, an oldish group. And um, and the Swiss just could they know how to break them down at all, you know. And uh, so they they looked a limited limited enough side there. Now I'd say this, you know, I say this in a qualified to win a good team. I don't mean to uh, I don't mean to be to be remotely disrespectful because. Uh, I, I, you know, on paper they're a better team than us, um, but but you know they have their limitations. But in this campaign, as generally since the World Cup, they have had a particular problem with conceding late goals. In four games already this year, they have conceded goals in the last ten minutes of games. Three against Denmark, they were three 0 up. They conceded three goals in the last uh, ten minutes, um, and in three other games they have conceded at least one in the last ten minutes that has, has cost them points. And and they did that the other night. They dominated the game. They were the better side. Kasper Schmeichel had to make you know three, four really really excellent saves. And uh, so they 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 they're, they, they're thinking at a, at, a, at a point that they've been unlucky. You know that that, that they should have won the game, but they're coming away with a very good point from Copenhagen nevertheless. And then they concede to Josef Poulsen's goal at the end. Mm. Poulsen took it very well. Um, uh, it was Christian Eriksen set it up with a reverse pass, which, uh, which they, they, you know, they, they, the the Swiss were certainly suggesting they didn't think he meant. They 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 thought that uh, he just he he just turned on the turn, played the ball blindly into space, and uh, and and they got very lucky. Uh, Eriksen himself said. That the, the the Danes were lucky to uh, to win the game. I'm not so sure he was referring specifically to his own pass, but um, but it was it was a really poor result for the Swiss. But it also set off a kind of you know a chain reaction of of self recrimination, if you like, uh, with quite a few of the players saying that this is a mental problem that they have. They 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 keep conceding. Obviously, uh, the listeners will remember them them conceding late on to us as well. Um, that it's a mental problem that they have that they have to address it. Um, that's you know really not good enough. <clears throat> Stefan Licksteiner, <clears throat> excuse me, was saying that it was that the problem was in their heads. Um, Fabien Schaar was saying it was it was a sign of naivety that it was stupid to be doing this, and uh, and the manager you know spoke broadly along the lines of all of that and so they have an issue they're concerned they're they're you know and and, and john you were talking about keeping you know whether we'd keep it tight and go for it late on i think that is broadly speaking what will happen and i think late on there will be an anxiety there if if we're still level with them or we're in within a goal of them um i think there will be an anxiety on their part that uh, that you know this is something that will be playing in their minds they've it's been absolutely aired out there here in the media very extensively 13 games i think or 7 of 13 games they've done it in since the world cup yes. um it's a big issue for the for the team uh, and Mick McCarthy will be very aware of it. And I think there's a possibility that it will influence his team selection. And I think that there's a possibility that Connolly may not start, but uh, but will come on earlier than he did the other night. Mm-hmm. And um, the goal that uh, that uh, Poulsen scored the other night was very 
kind of you know very similar to the sort of thing you might imagine uh, Conley scoring. It wasn't a million miles from from the chance he had late on when Whelan played the ball over the top into space and he ran ran clear. Um, the Swiss defence caught very. Very badly, three defenders chasing back after Poulsen. He, he handled it very well and, and finished very well. That's the sort of chance you could imagine uh, Conley having, and, and and I think that there, this may all play into the, you know the possibility that 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 Conley may not start, but not not for the reasons that you know McCarthy would be criticised mm. for. Not you know not that he's not ready, not that he's not you know effective, or whatever. But to be fair to McCarthy for the reasons that he would put forward, that coming off the bench with 20, 25 minutes to go, he could make a real real difference. I'm off, be I'm off to the bookies <laughs> to put a bet on Ireland last to score goal. in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, listen, uh, Emmett, uh, enjoy the rest of your stay there. Try not to try not to lose your shirt uh, buying Thanks a sandwich. So and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will chat to you again. Uh, that is all we have today. Thank you to you, John. Cheers. Take care. Thank you to Gav and Jerry that we had on earlier. Thank you to Declan behind the desk there. And we will talk to everybody on Thursday. Take it easy. <laughs>